Today I have an announcement for everybody that is listening to this podcast and especially is interested in improving his or her skills in terms of leadership, in terms of influencing. I'm talking quite a lot in this podcast about it and I'm really passionate about it because I've experienced firsthand in my own career and in lots of other careers how investing in this skill and then applying these skills has helped me to have much more successful and much more motivating and much more satisfying career. So if you want to improve your leadership skills as well, then I have an offer for you. We are now enrolling again into the Effective Statistician Leadership Program. We designed this program, so we, as Gary and I, designed this program for statisticians to strengthen your leadership skills. This will help you to maximize your impact at work. And it also helps you if you have no direct reports. It's really about cross-functional leadership skills. The Effective Statistician Leadership Program is a modular program. It contains self-learning parts and, if you want, also moderated small group discussions. We have de specifically designed this for statisticians. And there's a lot of examples from the pharmaceutical industry, of course, but the concepts will also apply outside of the pharmaceutical uh, industry. It really aims at all levels of statisticians and we had all different levels of statisticians. We had people that were very, very early in their, uh, their careers. And we recommend that if you have started your first job in the industry, let's say at least one and a half years ago, then this is really good for you. We had pretty senior people in this program as well. And we got a lot of really, really positive feedback from them. So one of them, for example, is Richard Zink. Yeah? You can check on the homepage, theeffectivestatistician.com, what he, without us asking for it, wrote on LinkedIn about it. And that is really, really good. There's also a lot of other quotes from people that speak about the experience that they have in the Effective Statistician Leadership Program. So there's, for example, one participant who said, the program really helped me to demystify and break down what leadership is. Or... Another one that says the number one thing that was most helpful is that the structure of the program has helped me to go through the aspects of leadership and evaluate them one step at a time. That speaks to the framework that we are uh, talking here about leadership. Our framework gives you really all the different aspects about leadership because there's actually quite a lot of them. And, of course, there's a lot of leadership trainings that go into specific parts of that. For example, presentation or negotiation. 
And we put all these different parts of leadership into this framework. And that helps you to identify what is the basis, for example, for leadership, which is communication. And what you then need to learn about all the others. And when something goes wrong, you can then identify much better what went wrong and then adjust accordingly. We also give you a good model for how you can improve your leadership skills because it's not sufficient to just, let's say, read a book or listen to this podcast. That helps, of course, but it's not sufficient. There's a couple of other things that you need to do and actually you can do on a continuous basis, on a daily basis to learn about your leadership skills. And in this program, we will teach you how to do this. Now, this program has basically three different parts in it. The first is we have um, videos for self-learning, so at your own time. So it's really great for people all around the world. Initially, we had it in a, in a live format. And of course, that meant that you needed to organize your calendar to be available at a specific time. Now it's self-paced learning and we have about 13 hours of content. Now, 13 hours of content sounds really, really a lot, but the program is there to be actually consumed about something like five months. So if you think about five months, then it's about, you know, maybe an hour per week or less that you need to invest in it. Okay, the second part that we have in the program are assignments. These assignments will help you to apply what you have learned through an exercise or in your day-to-day -day job. And these applications and then reflecting about it will help you to much better understand the concepts, to see how it really applies in your day-to-day -day situations. The third part of the program consists of what we call masterminds. And the masterminds are really, really cool part of it. In these masterminds, we create small groups of about 10 people each. And Gary will walk with these groups through the uh, program and will review what you have learned, discuss about your experiences, and then you can learn from your peers as well as talking about your own experiences and, and reflecting on them what real leadership is and how to become better at it. And you will learn all the different steps to become a better leader. So this is, of course, something that is a premium access. Yeah, so the, the masterminds take a lot of time and therefore we only have 30 slots available for these. Taking just the online recording and the assignments doing it yourself is, of course, you know, there's much more slots available for that. That's no problem. But for the mastermind, there's only 30 slots available. And I guess when you 
listen to this. Um, we have already started with a promotion and these slots will actually fill up quite fast. So head over to theeffectivestatistician.com and check out the Effective Statistician Leadership Program. It's directly in the menu at, at, the, at the start. You can't really miss it and, and sign up for it. Now you'll probably need to convince your supervisor about why your supervisor, your company should support you attending this program. And we have been thinking about this. I had these discussions quite a lot and Gary as well. And Gary has been, you know, a, a supervisor for a very, very long time who were approached by people about, um, yeah, I want to do this program or I want to do this course and I want to spend money here in, in terms of my development. And he knows what makes a supervisor approve these things. And so he has put down a couple of good arguments that you can use with your supervisor and why he should approve this spending. Of course, we also had students that paid it out of their own pockets because they saw it as something that is really, really helpful for their career, irrespective of whether the company pays for it. But if your company pays for it, that's even better. Now, what is the price of this? The um, You can actually purchases just, you know, without the masterminds, then it's 449 euros, which is about more or less the same uh, in, in dollars, a little bit less and a little bit more in dollars. Uh, or you can have the, um, all the three modules that we are offering together with the masterminds, then it's 699 euros. I think that is really the best value for money and I would highly recommend to go with the masterminds. If you want to just try it out and just buy the first module, yeah, then you can have the first module for 179 euros and later purchase also the other two modules, so modules two and three for 349. But I'd really recommend you going to the one with the masterminds. I think that is really the best value for money. If you are a supervisor and you're listening to this and you want to enroll more than 10 participants, and we had a couple of companies that enrolled lots more, um, then just contact me. You can find the email on the homepage and then we can set up something specific for you. If you have any questions, yeah, reach out to me and write at alexander at theeffectivestatistician.com. I'm happy to help you to, to answer any questions or contact me via LinkedIn. Yeah, and if you have any questions about it. We have now more than 100 uh, students that went through this program and we received a lot of really, really good feedback. Uh, just recently, I had a supervisor that um, enrolled quite a lot of students in, into this program and we had a very good discussion with him and he was very, very enthusiastic about the feedback from the participants. Or I spent some time with um, 
uh, company, actually uh, a CRO, that enrolled a large proportion of their uh, statisticians and their senior programmers in this program. And they absolutely loved it. And they actually did it without the masterminds, but they organized it, uh, the masterminds basically themselves within the company. That's, of course, also possible. Yeah? So if you have a good moderator or someone that is already very, very good in, in leadership skills, that's maybe an option yeah? that, that you do it completely for yourself. Yeah, and go through it as a, as a group, um, then yeah, touch base with me and we can enroll a, a, a bigger group uh, at once. That also makes it easier. And there is also a special bonus if you enroll more than 10 participants. Okay, so that's it. Head over to theeffectivestatistician.com Uh, to learn more about this program. There's also frequently asked questions on all kind of other things that I don't want to mention here on the podcast. More quotes and all the details about the program. But I'm sure it will help you. Invest in yourself. I wouldn't talk about it if I wouldn't be really convinced about this program. Um, Gary spent years, actually a decade, uh, working on these. And he is really proud about this program because it encompasses all the learnings that he had over this, this decade of teaching about uh, leadership to statisticians. And you can benefit from it. So head over and register now. Or talk to your supervisor to get approval. Bye for now. You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast. The weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today, I'm talking with Stuart McGuire. This is another of uh, podcast of our book club. This time, we are talking about the chimp paradox. A really interesting in insightful book. I'm pretty sure you'll love it. So stay tuned. And now some music. So this is another of these podcast episodes where we do a book review. There's so many interesting books out there and I can highly recommend to reading a couple of these business books because leaders are Nearly always also readers. Readers are not necessarily leaders, of course. But if you look into these, this really broadens your horizon and pretty helps you to see maybe a bigger picture or see things from a very different perspective. So stay tuned for this really nice discussion with Stu. If you love these episodes, then please tell your colleagues about this. Everything here is for free. And there's so much for it. It's for people early in their career. It's for people mid-term in their career, even for more senior people. I have listeners from all these different episodes of their career. So just recommend it. I'm pretty sure others will love it as well. 
I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video-on-demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars, and much, much more. Visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Okay, welcome to another episode. And today I'm again speaking with Stuart. Hi, Stuart. How are you doing? Very well, Alexander. You well? Yeah, very good. We have an awesome book that we both read recently. And this one uh, was a suggestion by, by Stu. So, and you got that from a couple of other people recommended. So, so what was the story behind that? Yeah, so the chimp paradox came completely fresh to me with us doing these um, book reviews. I think you become quite open to people making suggestions. And um, actually, somebody who trains at a very high level in sport and somebody who works in a very significant marketing role both suggested the chimp paradox to me independently. So I was like, Okay, when you get a recommendation, it's worth worth having a look. So uh, quite a journey. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. And this morning I looked a little bit more into the where the author is coming from. And so Professor Steve Peters, who wrote this book, is a psychiatrist working on performance and behavior of the brain, which... Uh, first was really interesting for me because I spent about a decade in working in stats and psychiatry. And so that was an interesting uh, thing. And he is also helping in the sports world. Did you know that he, he is working together with the FC Liverpool? Yeah, yes, I, um, I, I did read that. And actually, one of the things that I wanted to try almost sort of dispel in this book is that some people might think that this is for sports people and that it's for sort of high performance training. And actually, it's really not. It talks at a level, and we will start getting into it, it talks at a level that can be applied to everybody. And I think in particular to the statistics environment and the the industry that we work in i think there's lots of things in here that we can we can take learnings from but yeah even if you're not a liverpool supporter there's something in this book for you i, I guess yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah so yeah it's we could of course talk about soccer all all day long but uh, <laughs> one of my favorite uh, things to talk about but it's uh, today. It's it's really about this book and the chimp paradox. Um, it in the book says kind of it speaks to these two different parties. Yes, the chimp and the humans that kind of interact in your brain. It's it's kind of you know a really nice way of thinking of how your brain functions. 
there's a chimp that is really, really powerful, yeah, and a usual grown-up chimp is kind of 10 times more powerful than, than a human, and that's about the same in the brain. And he's much faster, much stronger, and if they, they just kind of wrestle along, then the chimp always wins. However, the human is much more kind of logical and can basically apply certain techniques to make the chimp behave. But, but that is, needs to be done very intentionally and very, very, very carefully. And it's this kind of analogy from kind of chimp and human is, is really, really nice because it's, I think it helps us to see how we behave and how we function. And, you know, whether that is the chimp in our brain that is currently doing something or whether it's a human in our brain that is something doing something. How would you describe this kind of chimp versus human dichotomy? Yeah, so I, when I read this book, um, clearly the, the, the chimp um, part of our brain interacting with the human part of our brain, um, and this is a, a sort of a, a simplification of a very complicated way in which the brain works. This is a, a nice, simple model. And I think when you go into the book, it says that, you know, this doesn't work for everybody, but there's a lot that you can take from this model. There's also a third part, which is the computer part of your mm -hmm. brain. Yeah. So you have your, your chimp, which is much more emotional. Um, a chimp behaves in a very territorial way, very fast, very reactive. And as you say, your human part of your brain is very logical and, you know, it's, you know, thinks in a, in a very rational way. And then you've got your computer part, which you kind of program. Uh, and I know that I'm speaking to a statistician, so I've got to be careful here, but you, you program the computer in a, in, in a way um, which is built up on sort of experiences and situations um, and experiences throughout your life. So the, the different types of, of your brain in this model and how they interact. And this, I have to say, is one of those books that can just change your life um, in a very positive way and can help you address the way in which you communicate. Um, it can also um, help you if you are suffering, um, I, I, I guess, with um, certain, certain um, mental imbalances. Um, so it's a very, um, a very interesting book. When I started reading it, I immediately thought, wow, doing a podcast on this is very exciting because I think it opens up a huge area of sort of unmet discussion. But also it's a journey. And like all journeys, whether you know you're going on a holiday or whether you're going on a big business meeting, you have to pack and think about your journey. And this journey is, is one that you you know, undertaking this is going to change your life like uh, a big trip would do. And you've got to be prepared for that. And what I found after reading this book and reading associated material is that once you start uncovering and working with this type of um, model of your brain, you may want to start having some mentoring or, or um, some exercises to do to fully embrace 
all the components that come out of this model. Or you can just read it and say, yeah, that was interesting and, and kind of put the book down again. So it depends on the type of journey you want to undertake. But for me, I, I think this is a very transformational uh, type of thinking and uh, type of thinking on how you think. So yeah. um, I, I'm i quite keen to try to distill down some points in this book and how this might be effective for your statistical audience. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, completely agree. So I was just thinking about one of the, let's say, common problems. Yeah. So, um, and that is about, um, imagine you come into, you know, a room and there's a big meeting. Yeah. And there's lots of senior people, more seniors than you are. And, um, you now need to basically speak up, yeah? And you need to, you know, there's some kind of discussion about, you know, a project and um, you need to speak up to to correct some false beliefs there in, in the room in terms of how everything works together. And now what's your chimp doing? Yes, the chimp in your brain tells you, oh, this, you know, really, really bad things can happen. These are all so senior, these people. And when you say something wrong, they will rip off your um, hat <laughs> and kick it out of the door, yeah? And so, you know, your adrenaline goes up and you have this fear and, you know, you're therefore because you think, and there are these uh, goblins from the computer come in, you're inferior to these people, ah, you better don't speak up. Now that's far, 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 far too, you know, complicated and really serious and really, really bad things can happen, yeah? And this is where then your chimp takes over the control, yeah, and makes you not speaking up. Mm. And now see, how can you kind of now manage your chimp that, you know, you think about this much more kind of logically and then, you know, how can you combat your fear at that point? Yes. And I think what this, um, what you're, the heart of what you're getting to is this uh, fight, flight, or freeze um, yeah. way we can think. And when you're sort of forced or faced with something, your chimp wants to kind of fight and there's like that sort of aggressive bit um your your human part which is much more rational um you know is thinking well i know this and i can logically you know understand and i can respond in a in a very logical and rational manner um or you, you, <laughs> or you or you can sort of freeze and pretend that you know sort of nothing's sort of happening and almost sort of deny uh, you know you know that there's a threat at all. So I, I think you know in in that situation that you're you're faced you know in, in that meeting room. And I was also thinking about meetings and how you know we're in lockdown at the moment here in the yeah. UK. So. Um, meetings have all moved over to Zoom calls, and but you still have that. Uh, you know, your your face is on a, a little square, and then somebody asks you a question, and you either know the answer 
and your human um, part responds in a very logical way or you don't know the answer and your brain can move to this chimp of, you know, just answering very quickly emotionally and being very charged. And I think that that for me, um, th this method of, of trying to understand how you think in certain situations and what part of your brain is kicking in. And often, after you've reflected on what you've said, whether it be on a Zoom call or in a big meeting room, it's then you recognise that it was the chimp that was speaking and you regret that. You say, ah, oh, I wish I'd answered that differently. I wish I'd been more logical in my response. But the chimp is, is faster. Um, the information hits the chimp first. So if you haven't got the experience, if you haven't built up those types of responses, and um, worked on that, then your chimp is going to override, is going to kick in. So I, I found that really interesting. And there's lots of situations littered in this book. Do you mind if I go off on a tangent? Is that okay? Yeah, no, no, that's, that's completely fine. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, when, when you were talking about this kind of meeting situation, another kind of thing is you get kind of uh, asked this question and, and then you have this kind of, goblin in your head that, that tells you i don't want to look stupid yeah so i need to answer this yeah and therefore the chimp reacts oh, and answers yeah because here's this, this goblin in the computer says you don't want to appear stupid yeah and and you know that's that's in your kind of programmed response in it uh rather than you know thinking about it and and thinking maybe being vulnerable here and saying, I don't know exactly, but here's a couple of thoughts I have about it, but I would need to check them further. Yeah. And being completely honest about it. Yeah. Yeah. But because your chimp reacts, you don't come to that. Yeah. But you wanted to work, go on attention. So. <laughs> well, no, I, I was just, one of the one of the examples in the book, um, and I thought this was very useful, is um, the way that which the, the chimp responds. So um, typically, you know, if you're given a, um, a a box of biscuits, and the chimp, you know, is is in the jungle, you know, this is the last potential meal that the chimp can have. So the chimp wants to eat all the biscuits. You know, you've got a pack of biscuits there. The chimp is like, right, this is the last time I'm going to eat. I'm, I'm eating all of these. And then but the human part of your brain is like, well, you know, I could have a biscuit today, a, a, a one this afternoon, one tomorrow. You know, I can spread this out. Um, this isn't going to be my last meal. If I eat all the, um, the biscuits, that's probably not great for my health, um, et cetera, et cetera. And thinks these things in a very logical um, way. But sometimes, well, we know that the chimp is very strong. And before you've known it, you've eaten 10 biscuits and you're feeling, <laughs> and you're like, and you're reflecting on that. And you're like, why, why did I do that? What, what, what happened there? And I think, you know, in a very simplistic way, we all know that we have these different, uh, different competing parts of the brain. And I think whether you call it a chimp or whether you've got a special name for it I, when you read into it that, that there's a lot of people who have taken this methodology and personalized it for their own um but i think thinking about the way that the chimp works 
and how that works in your brain is very useful and very powerful. Um, I think there was another example about how, you know, if you, you're sitting across from a person in a restaurant and they move the tomato sauce closer to uh, their side of the table and then the mustard and then the salt and pepper. And it's a very territorial thing. <laughs> on the other side of the table is thinking, huh, I kind of want the tomato sauce, but I don't feel like I can really reach over and, and just grab it. And there's that sort of territorial thing going on. It's a very territorial um, and how, you know, that can quickly override and be completely mistaken. And then you get a chimp talking to another chimp, your territorial talking to another territorial person. And that can only lead into um, an argument, aggression, uh, a fight. Um, whereas then your human kicks in and it's actually, you know, moving the tomato sauce and the mustard back to the centre ground, you know. And I, I just thought that was a wonderful, simplistic explanation of what's going on here, you know. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. It's kind of, whenever, you know, there's, there's lots of positive sides about the chimp, yeah, because it makes our life easy and it makes the brain not to consume so much energy. But if, you know, in these crucial conversations, the chimp takes over, then that can lead to quite big disaster. What I really found awesome is the question that you can ask yourself in terms of finding out whether the chimp is behaving or the human is behaving. And yeah. this question was, do you want to behave or feel this way? Yeah. So kind of a really nice reflective question for you and the trick in there is that you with this with asking this question you actually get the human to work yeah because then you can get the in your brain more kind of the power to the prefrontal cortex where your brain is work uh, where your human is working rather than in your amygdala where your chimp is sitting yeah? yeah and that then helps you to kind of reflect is that some a conscious human choice or is this a subconscious chimp choice and so coming back for example to to the meeting situation where mm -hmm. you're sitting there and you're freezing and you're you're fearful No, I don't want to be fearful. Yeah. There is no kind of tiger in here that will really eat my head. Yeah? yeah. And so, you know, what is really the worst thing that can happen? Yeah? yeah. And the worst thing that can happen is probably I'm not articulating well my point and I maybe need to repeat it. Yeah, or maybe I need to then later have a follow-up on it. That's the much worse thing is if I don't speak up, mm. nobody makes a good decision here in the room. And that is far worse than I'm speaking up and maybe not directly finding the right words. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Alexander, one of the things I'd like to extend to, if I may, in, in this book um, And, and it talks about how chimps live in tribes and um, we in life select who our tribe members are. And mm -hmm. those might be like-minded people. We think, you know, that we want to have those people, you know, in, in our sort of social group. 
And then we have our tribes, which is kind of like the, the people that we work with. We, we don't select those, but we, we've kind of got to sort of, you know, form a team. And one of the things that this book does delve into is um, kind of stress and how debilitating and how bad that is for us as, as humans. And this sort of notion that we, um, there's a chimp side of our brain that feels like we don't want to let the tribe down. So we have to work all the hours physically possible. We, we have to work more than um, other people because, you know, we don't want to let the, the, the tribe down. And that's a very sort of chimp way of sort of thinking. And I thought that was, you know, really interesting and that how we, we, we push ourselves and we don't recuperate, we don't relax, we don't rest and we don't sleep. Mm. And it's like that cycle of things that, you know, the chimp is pushing in a very negative way that we don't do these very rational things. And then we don't perform as well because we're not well rested um, we haven't relaxed. And I, I think, you know, another book that I would love to review with you is Why We Sleep by Walker. I think that book is absolutely phenomenal, but how positive sleep is. And our chimp has to be rested. It has to be relaxed. It has to have slept because when it's not, it's a very negative and destructive part of our brain. Did you did you get that sense? And it, 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 I can completely relate to it. So the more I become sleepy, the more I'm not well rested, the much easier is it for the chimp to take over. Yeah. yeah. It is when I'm, you know, at home in the evening, negative thoughts are much easier to come through than if I'm, you know, rested in the morning. It's much easier to get into arguments with someone in the evening when you're not well rested. And so, you know, it's really like a spiral. Yes, the, the more you let the chimp drive this behavior of exhaustion, the more powerful the chimp becomes. Yeah. And so you really need to break through that. And there's, you know, again, probably the easy question, you know, do I want to feel this way? Do I want to feel exhausted? Do I want to feel kind of uh, burned out? Or do do I have a choice here yeah, and, and can make a conscious break and can manage my time? And that is, you know, where, where it's back to kind of, you need to, to, you need to manage your chimp. Yeah? yeah. You can't completely control the chimp, but you need to manage it. Mm -hmm. And there's times when you need to, to let the chimp went in a, in a kind of controlled way. But yeah. Yeah, then you need to do this kind of consciously. Yeah. So if you're really angry about it, get into the bathroom and just kind of shout out. <laughs> get it out. I, yeah. I, I also took from the book, which I thought was phenomenal. And, you know, going back to that tribe, um, but the chimp does need to be exercised. So, um, and having really good friends. Um, people who provide a non-judgmental space for you so yeah. that you can just let your chimp vent. And I think, you know, having people that, you know, you can just talk to and, you know, I, I, I say sort of, you know, sort of chewing the cud, you know, just getting things off your mind 
is really exercising that chimp, getting that, yeah. getting done and then the human part of your brain can then start you know to, to sort of kick in and I, I've noticed that on some you know video conferences you know because people are they're cooped up they're in lockdown they're feeling you know caged and you know you, you come onto some video conferences and sometimes you've just got to let that chimp talk to you for a little while and you just have to let them vent their chimp and just talk a little bit in a I'm not saying a nonsensical way but a lot of it isn't constructive or positive and then after you've had that for a little while then comes the human discussion and the real good stuff starts flowing through but being cognitive of that being mindful that people's you know how they're communicating and where it comes from I've really found that powerful from this book. I have to say it's been a transformational way um, of, of thinking. Yeah, I completely agree. That is, you know, one of the things that I completely misunderstood uh, in, in my life many, many times. Yeah, when there was someone coming with a problem, yeah, and was kind of furious about it. And I let my kind of human part go in there and try to solve this problem directly. Mm. That didn't help. It's just at this moment, you just need to kind of absorb it and, and kind of withhold this, this reaction of trying to just solve it. Yeah. So I think this is, this is also kind of a, the chimp part that comes and out and the chimp wants to get rid of this kind of bad feeling if someone, you know, vents at us. And we want to get away with this bad feeling, yeah? And we want to get, you know, get this problem solved so that the other person isn't, you know, uh, worrying us. And that's also a typical chimp reaction. And the, the human then needs to kind of understand, ah, oh, there's a chimp talking to us. And at the moment, and the only way we can get out of it is just let the chimp exercise, vent, and then we'll see kind of after some yeah minutes, maybe it's three, maybe it's 15, yeah. <laughs> you know, the chimp has lost its power and exercised enough, and then you can get back to the human talking. But yeah, then you just need to give it time. Yeah, completely see that point. I think also as I use that sort of analogy before, you know, sort of going on, on a journey and it's, you know, this book is a sort of a journey and it's also, you know, thinking about what does success look like and having um, different success criteria. And often people set themselves up to fail. Their expectation of what they want from their life is very chimp led. But when you really look into your sort of, uh, human, rational, what can I really achieve? And think about that in a very logical and rational manner. You're going to gear yourself up much more for, for success uh, in that expectation. And there's that chimp part that, you know, I go back to this sort of the jungle that they want, the, the, the material, they, they want the, um, the the land, they want, you know, the what was that sort of phrase before? They want that sort of jurisdiction. Yeah. So you know sort of setting up what you what are really achievable goals what you know what, what is your human saying versus what your your chimp is setting for you i found that quite enlightening 
Yeah, I, I think there is, you know, we all work in our organizations and, you know, we have lots, you know, we have management by objectives where we have our yearly goals and things like that. And I talk in the podcast quite a lot about goal setting. Yeah, I, I think there's some, you know, good thing in, in setting stretch goals. Yes, it's a challenge you. Because that gets you out of your comfort zone and things like that. However, the chimp can set in there and kind of keep fighting and fighting and fighting and pushing and pushing and pushing. And you never kind of let go of things. And so the problem there is that you, I think, never celebrate your wins. Yeah. It's kind of, you have this stretch goal. Let's say you, know, you want to kind of be really good in a certain technique. Yeah. And you want to understand, you read this book and understand it 100%. Yeah? yeah. And that's your goal. And then you get to all the book. Yeah. And you have done all the exercises in the book. Just this last paragraph or this last kind of chapter in the book, you find it really difficult or you don't find the time to actually read it and do the corresponding exercises. And then you kind of beat yourself up about missing this chapter and not reaching your goal. And the problem there is that you, then we just focus on this gap. Yeah. Instead of celebrating but we maybe did all the other 19 chapters. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, you know, we reached 95% of our goal. Yeah. And, you know, not stretch goal would have been 60% or maybe 50%. Yeah. So we completely overachieved. But we get so hung up on these 5% that we didn't achieve that, that we beat ourselves up. And I think that's a very, very, very common type that that we run into if we are you know want to be really good want to be overachievers want to be you know winners and and that yeah we just focus on this five percent gap instead of on the 95 percent achievement part true very very true very true there's a really interesting <laughs> article by Michael Hyatt about this uh, says that we are overly focusing on these on these gaps and that we much more kind of consciously need to look at these successes and, and actually celebrate them. Yeah. I think that's the interesting part is celebration is actually the human acting, not the chimp. Yeah. And it's really important to celebrate because that helps you to reflect on what you have achieved. It helps you to acknowledge your achievements and therefore also gives re-emphasizes of what you did well. So it trains basically your brain to redo those things that, that help to achieve you something. So it's, it's kind of a managing your chimp and then training your human side part. And, and also, um, maybe you could comment on, on this, because I think in the book it talks about how the computer part of your brain... Um, and in an ideal situation, you fill your brain up from a very early age, uh, fill your computer up with really positive experiences, good learnings, you know, all the good 
perfect programming. <laughs> um, but we don't, you know, we have situations where, you know, we're let down by somebody in the school playground and that puts into our computer um, a, uh, a gremlin or a goblin, I, I think. And, you know, that, that sort of sits away in the back of your computer parts that tells you that maybe you're not sort of good enough or, you know, there was a situation where you feel inadequate and then that comes out and that part talks to the chimp in a very sort of negative, you know, sort of in a negative way. And I was interested when I was reading the book because I think, you know, we aren't computers. We aren't, you know, uh, it's so such a, a multifaceted thing. And the more, you know, you kind of look at the brain and how it functions, you realise the more you just don't understand. <laughs> um, but this paradox, this chimp paradox, is a really nice simplistic method of, I, I guess, looking at a sort of a three-cog machine with the mm -hmm. chimp, the human, and the computer. But I was fascinated in, you know, what you do as a statistical programmer and, you know, the statistics side, how, how you thought about the programming of the computer part of our brain. Did that resonate at all? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of, it's a little bit like the default options, yeah? So, you know, when you write a program, there's all kind of default options in, in your program, yeah? And it depends on how these default options are set up, yeah? And in the same way, you can think about your brain. What are the default options there, yeah? And, and it's exactly like you, you have these kind of beliefs about yourself, yeah? So, so you're an introvert, and therefore you're not good at public speaking. You'll never be good at public speaking. You can't learn that. Yeah. And of course, that's a false belief. Yeah. There's lots of really, really good speakers, uh, public speakers that are introvert and they have trained themselves to be good at it. Yeah. And so that's a false belief, but identifying this false belief and seeing, oh, that's actually a default option that I can change is really, really powerful, yeah? It's like exploring in your, in your program and seeing, oh, there's another option there that I can change here. And set to this default option, that's maybe not helpful in, in this specific case, yeah? Yeah. And in the same way, we can think about our, our computer in the brain, yeah? finding about all the default options that are in there that we think not even of, you know, that they are changeable, yeah? Because we haven't recognized them that they are maybe, that they're, that they're just a hidden function. It's, it's something that like, you know, if you look into all this Word and Excel and so on programs, yeah? And, and you think like, I'm really frustrated about this kind of one feature and, and, you know, and you don't even know how to change it. You take it for granted, but the, the, you can actually change it. It's just so hidden somewhere in a submenu of a submenu that you never find it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, that's, I think, uh, the similarity there. So that is really, really important to self-reflect. And their coaching can be quite helpful, yeah. And and working with people that you trust, that you know, 
also challenge you on these beliefs. Yeah, I think that is that is where the tribe also, you know, the people you work with can be really effective. If you work only with people that never challenge you, that have absolutely the same beliefs about the world, and maybe the same beliefs about same false beliefs about them as you have, yeah, then you know. You as a group may never see that there are certain, you know, default options, yeah, that you have. Yeah. So it's like as a statistician, you cannot be the chair of this meeting. Or as a statistician or a data scientist, you can't lead this project. You'll always only be a member. Or you're not part of this discussion. You you can only be a consultant here. Yeah. You can't drive the decision. Yeah. Things like that. That is, these are very, very common misbeliefs. And if mm. you only work with people that have these, share these misbeliefs, you never, you never notice that you have these misbeliefs. And actually, I, I don't know if we've lamented on this in, in previous uh, podcasts, maybe we have, but about how in our industry, in the clinical research um, space, and particularly in clinical research organizations, there are a great number of statisticians who have been CEOs of some superb companies. And I think, you know, that's very exciting uh, for this space in particular. And actually, you know, when you're looking for uh, goals, challenges, role models, actually um, statisticians have a, a huge part to play and are exemplified in, 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 the, in the industry as well. So I really recommend this book. Um, I have to say it's, it is a journey, so be ready for that. And uh, yeah, I'd be, del- I'd be really interested what people think of it. Yeah, yeah. Just one last thing that I wanted to mention that kind of I found really interesting in the book is um, when the chimp is at play, he very often focuses on the problem only, yeah, and only kind of laments about the problem. And um, then it's about getting the chimp away is trying to focus on solutions. Mm-hmm. And uh, the story that came to my mind is about that is um, there's a story of an Olympic boat race. And the, it was at a site where kind of uh, it was quite windy that um so so it's you know it's it's not sailing it's it's um rowing boats yeah and so the more wind uh, the more difficult it becomes and the the setup was that the different lanes were differentially affected and the last lane was the most affected one and now there were you know a couple of different races on this track and one team that was on the last lane, yeah, started to row and some started to complain and say, actually, you know, stopped the race because they were so much, so much complaining about, you know, the unfair situation and say that they had more waves and more wind. And uh, yeah, so they gave up. There was another team that was going there and they actually won the race. Uh-huh. And afterwards, they uh, interviewed, you know, you had all these kind of difficult situations and you had more winds than the others and more waves than the others. 
how could you kind of, you know, uh, keep with that and, and things like this? And then the people said, we, we didn't care because that is something that we couldn't change. We only concentrated on what we can control, what's in the boat, not what's outside of the boat. Wind, mm -hmm. waves, all these things are outside of the boat. What we can control is how we do in the boat. So they completely focused on the solutions and made it happen. And others that completely only focused on the problem, they gave up. And I found that story so, so helpful. And it showed kind of, for the first team, the chimp got into action. And, you know, they only focused on the problems. The second team, they had good management of their chimp and they won the race. And I think you've articulated beautifully in that the things that we can control and that sort of regal thing that we have, the crown that we wear, um, the things that other people or other things control, the weather. Um, and then there's this sort of joint thing that we can control and sort of understanding those different buckets. Um, but yeah, the thing that you can control, the thing that you can do well at, um, there's a, a very famous rugby coach um, and it's, you know, about looking in the mirror and really not um, not allowing excuses of things that you can't control to come in with you yeah. and your um, I think it's powerful. Yeah, and it's the same also in terms of you can control how you feel, how you want to feel, yeah? We are not kind of, and that's again this kind of question, do you want to feel this way? Do you want to be, uh, behave this way? Yeah. It's, I think it's a really, really brilliant book. It also reminded me a little bit of uh, Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking uh, uh, Fast and Slow goes into the same direction and then gets a little bit more into the specific traps that, that we typically fall into. So that's another great book to read about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we touched on a lot of, lot of different things in this chat from kind of starting with the author being training the FC Liverpool or coaching the FC Liverpool through computers and chimps and humans and how we can, you know, behave better and work better. What are kind of a couple of typical traps that we fall into? And I think you hope you got a lot of nuggets that we discussed about that makes you read the complete book. Because as you had mentioned, it's, it's one of these books that can really, really change your life. The show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain, who helps with the show in the background. And thank you for listening. Head over to theeffectivestatistician.com to find the show notes, also links to the book and things like this, and learn more about our podcast to boost your career as a statistician in the health sector. Please tell your colleagues about this podcast. They will benefit from it likely as well. Like always, reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.